0: Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture. Edited by Jim Harris. And music by Mike Hall. Hey, Jim. Hey, Mike. I'm going to talk to you, but I'm actually talking to the audience, but I need to be able to talk to somebody that's in the room, so I'm going to talk to you. Sounds fair. So we went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we got into a big conversation afterwards, as we do, and one of the main parts of the conversation was on, was that movie good because it was good, or did we enjoy it because of nostalgia? That really kind of got us into a whole a whole mess of conversation about all the different remakes and reboots and adaptations and everything that have been coming out lately that seemed to be really nostalgia-driven. I mean, Ghostbusters aside, I mean, we got Afterlife now, which almost seems like it's in response to the reboot Ghostbusters that was terrible. And they were like, no, this is how you should have done it. And then you immediately came up with the Karate Kid series, which, as you said, it shouldn't be good, but it is. Even without nostalgia, it's good. But with nostalgia, it's really good. So I don't know, what what do you think? What are your initial thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it. Especially, like you said, after we had seen Ghostbusters Afterlife of how driven by nostalgia that has been and how we've also talked about in recent episodes about especially like the second season of The Mandalorian was heavy nostalgia slash fan service driven. It got me thinking about how often are things banking on nostalgia or using nostalgia as the foundation for telling a story because it has some built in advantages, Like, part of it is there's an established audience. So, Mm -hmm. like, for Ghostbusters, this goes back almost 40 years. 1984, I think, was when the first Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. movie came out. So you have the movie that goes back far enough in time that you get that generational divide where people who have kids, which neither of us do, but people who have kids want to introduce their kids to a franchise that they liked when they
0: were kids. Which is a side note. Ghostbusters Afterlife did a great job of that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a true multi-generational family film, and I would not describe the original Ghostbusters (laughs) as a family film. It was a good movie. It was an enjoyable movie. I by no means consider it a masterpiece, but I really enjoyed Ghostbusters. It was funny, Mm -hmm. but Ghostbusters Afterlife is not only playing on nostalgia of... People who like Ghostbusters when they were young, maybe they'll bring their kids, and in some cases, maybe grandkids, it gets into that area. But also, multi-generational is the fact that it had characters in it that were adolescents, teenagers, adults, and senior citizens. <laughs> so let's go all in yeah. on trying to reach everybody. And if you, we're not going to try to spoil Ghostbusters Afterlife if you haven't seen it. But it's kind of weird in the sense that it is both completely unoriginal... And a little original somehow at the same time.
0: And it's also 100% for kids, but also 100% for adults that loved the things. So Ghostbusters is weird where like the movies came out and I know a lot of people don't like talking about the second one, but there was two. The movies came out and they were fairly successful. You know, they, they were liked, but they're not great movies. But people that saw those as kids... And then the cartoon series and the toys that came with it. Mm -hmm. People that were kids, like my age, loved Ghostbusters after that. So Afterlife became a, hey, you loved Ghostbusters as a kid? Here's another version that'll get your kids to like Ghostbusters the way that you liked Ghostbusters when you were a kid. Yes. And is an introduction. So I think that's, I've said it many times, I think that movie did as well as it possibly could have. Especially when you compare it to other reboots adaptations whatever you want to call them
1: it's also interesting how again not trying to give anything away but that movie almost kind of pretended like the second ghostbusters movie didn't exist
0: yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent.
1: <laughs> because it had a story that was basically a continuation in some respects and it's weird how you could technically consider it a sequel but like ghostbusters 2 you really couldn't say was driven by nostalgia because it came out relatively soon thereafter it's when there's a large gap of time in between sequels that nostalgia has the potential Mm -hmm. i mean to a certain extent sequels are are trying to bank on hey if you like the other movie maybe we make more of them you'll keep liking them but if there's a long gap of time then it's it's driving you back to nostalgia because again for people i mean i was 13 when the first ghostbusters movie came out and i saw it with you when i'm 50 so it, it is reminding me of me as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it has that nostalgic effect of it's not only a movie from a long time ago, but reminding me of what I was like as a teenager, which also plays on the fact that there also are characters in the movie that are about the age that I was, which I, I don't think it was an accident that one of the characters in the movie was like 12 years old, which was about the age I was when the first Ghostbusters came out.
0: Well, they, they kind of did that, like... Yeah, there's like you were saying, there's a representative in pretty much every age group in that movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) is how old were you when the first Ghostbusters came out? They have a slot for for
0: and how old are you now? Exactly. Yes.
1: Uh, So, yeah, they did a very good job uh, with that. But yeah, maybe think a lot more about nostalgia in general and how much it affects things. It also was weird because as I was thinking about this topic this week, I use Roku as my streaming stick for my that I plug into my TV mm-hmm. that I connect to Netflix, Hulu, and all of that other stuff. And Roku has a screensaver that is loaded with Easter eggs. So like it just has a screensaver was like, there's a picture of a courthouse with a clock tower. And in case you don't get that reference, <laughs> sitting in front of the courthouse is a blue police box. So you have... Back to the Future and Doctor Who. Two Easter eggs for time travel-y stuff. Timey-wimey stuff. Oh, and ha- timey-wimey. <laughs> and then there's other things like you see King Kong climbing up Empire State Building. You see Godzilla coming up out of the sea. You see uh, Avengers Tower. You see the Titanic sinking. So, I mean, there's all of these little cartoonish type images. It's not like movie clips or anything like that. But it's all loaded up with these things. It's like, oh, do you remember this? And it's all to to make you think about all of the references and stuff that make you somewhat nostalgic.
0: But in that was the Titanic sinking because of Jaws. No, but... Missed there, opportunity.
1: But there is a Jaws fin in the water, but is also next to a parts of the Caribbean boat in front of the island of Alcatraz. <laughs> it just throws a whole bunch of stuff at you. But it's one of those sort of like Where's Waldo type things of everything in the Mm -hmm. screensaver is a little tiny Easter egg or hint at an old, not always old, but at a movie or a TV show. And it's sort Mm -hmm. of, there are people online that like to try to go through and see if they can identify like what
0: all of them are. So back on the subject of, you know, remakes, Mm reboots-ish. So I've actually been thinking about this for a little while because a few years ago, They came out, Netflix came out with a series, a reboot series of a cartoon that for most of my life has been what I've called my quote unquote age check. If you remember this cartoon, you are of a certain age because it did not last beyond that. Like there wasn't really reruns there wasn't anything. You had to have been watching cartoons within this certain range or you would not know what it is. And that was Voltron. Oh, Okay. Which, when Power Rangers got popular here, my initial thought was, oh look, live action Voltron. I didn't realize the history of it. But anyways, they remade and completely rebooted Voltron with updated animations and everything like that. And I actually really enjoyed it. And then on top of that, recently there's two new He-Man series on Netflix. And one of them is kind of helmed by Kevin Smith. And it is very much drawn upon, and actually the people that are in charge of the ongoing masters of the universe, like comic books and stuff like that, were heavily involved in this, where it is not actually a a reboot or a remake or anything, it's actually a continuation of the original, based off of all the supplemental material over the last 20-some years. And it has gotten heavy criticism. And I understand why, but I think most of that criticism comes from people that liked the cartoon when they were kids, but don't know anything about the expanded universe. And then there's also a complete reboot, reimagination, I guess would be it, of He-Man on there, that I tried to watch. And I'm sure kids now would love it. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. So those were things that really got me thinking about it outside of you know Ghostbusters is kind of a trigger but i'd already been thinking about it and also speaking of it it yes that there's recently a, a new it movie or two it movies actually that did really really well so to me that goes into was that did that do so well because of nostalgia because of the popularity of the book or just because with newer technology they could do so much more i don't know what do you think yeah,
1: there were definitely aspects of not to keep coming back to it, but the Ghostbusters Afterlife. Some of the things like the special effects were obviously better in terms of like some of the things with like the ghosts and the proton pack stuff looked maybe a little bit better.
0: I I would actually almost argue the proton pack stuff looked better, but the ghosts looked a little more cartoony in this one. I feel like okay, they, they looked a lot more like an animation plug because it's CGI. Yeah whereas the originals looked like they belonged in the world. Okay. I felt like anyway. I mean,
1: but there definitely is times where aspects of the technology would give you the opportunity to make something better. But just in general, I've always been prepping for this discussion, made me wonder about why nostalgia is so effective in terms of, again, give you an an established audience that might want to come back and, and see either a continuation or a remake or a reboot a uh, lack of originality is usually how it's negatively criticized in Hollywood, but it could be, again, just chasing after an established audience. Like, I would argue that's the whole reason why Disney bought Star Wars. Is And as I argued in our Mandalorian episode, it doesn't really behoove them much to make new stuff. Laying in heavily on nostalgia makes sense, because there's a huge established audience for it, and just give them new stuff that's the same as the old stuff. Because if you go too far away you lose the nostalgia if it's completely remade. Yeah. And then versus things that are more subtle nostalgia, like there are things that have like Ghostbusters, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to give anything away, but you could have had like a movie that was not Ghostbusters that had just like somebody died and they were a ghost and they were trying to communicate with their family and weird things was, were happening. And you could have just had Easter eggs like hey, doesn't that kind of look like the EMF detector that they used in Ghostbusters to try to find if there was a ghost present? Or they tried to rig something up that kind of looked like a trap. Like they could have just had like an Easter egg mm-hmm. to something like that. Just like how we've talked about earlier, like anytime like in Avengers Endgame when they brought up time travel. Oh, you mean like Back to the Future? So sometimes they just do it blatantly. Yeah. But other times it's just, or just a subtle Easter egg to remind you of something else from that genre or something that's related versus what would have otherwise been easter eggs we're just like hey let's take a bunch of the actual props from the ghostbusters movie and use them again in this movie in exactly the same way so it's like more implicit in your face nostalgia versus this more like subtle easter egg type of things
0: yeah well and there's There's a lot of these movies, a lot of things that have come out that are drawing heavy, like you're only going to see it because of the nostalgia. If it wasn't for the nostalgia, you wouldn't bother. But there's also a a long list of remakes, reboots, whatever you want to call it, of movies that they were seen because of the nostalgia, but they were made because they wanted to try to make a better updated version
1: Before you do the better updated version, and just before we can jump off of Ghostbusters, I never agreed with this, but you had mentioned it earlier that maybe one of the reasons Ghostbusters Afterlife had the plot that it had, in part, it was also, we should also mention, it was a, an homage to Hal Ramis, who passed away, so, Mm -hmm. an homage to him, and also to the original director, I think he's still alive, but his. Yeah, he had, he had
0: a part. He produced this.
1: Yeah. So, but Hal Ramis had passed away. So, his character and a direct homage to him is in the movie. So, there's that part of it that's both nostalgic. And for that, a lot of people didn't like the female remake of Ghostbusters. I never agreed with people who were saying that it ruined their childhood, quote unquote. Yeah, that's stupid. It's like they just made, in my opinion, I didn't like it because I didn't think it was done very good. I had no problem with the fact that it went with an all-female cast. I just didn't like it. I mean It didn't help that I don't like two of the four actresses that were in the leads, because I'm not a, a big fan of Melissa McCarthy or Kristen Wiig. I just also didn't think that the story of the movie was very good. So in that case, they did a remake, and there were people who didn't like it because there was no connection or continuity mm-hmm. to it. Like, if they could have come up with some way, like... Ghostbusters Afterlife did the original cast is very very briefly in the movie so if they could have maybe done that with the female Ghostbusters thing somehow maybe people would have had less of a problem with it because that was a remake and the people who didn't like it criticized it for ruining their childhood because it was like let's pretend that that other movie didn't exist mm -hmm. and just redo it whereas Ghostbusters Afterlife was again It itself ignores Ghostbusters (laughs) 2, and this continues the story to a certain extent from that movie with a more straight line continuity of nostalgia.
0: Yeah, that that female Ghostbusters, like, it did a good job in just telling its own story, its own way. It just wasn't good. Right. But they also, the only Easter eggs they dropped were having people, you know, the original cast drop in, but they were different characters. Which, again, also made people mad. I mean, it didn't make me mad. I was like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. But at the same time, oh, it could have been so much better. I guess that was the depressing part for me was what it could have been versus what it was. Right. And and that's really what what got me. And as I go through a a list here of movies that were remade or rebooted or whatever to try to make better versions, Mm -hmm. more updated versions, and... For the most part, it seems like pretty much all of them just completely fell flat. So, like, Point Break, (laughs) RoboCop, Total Recall, Conan the old Conan the Barbarian. You were gonna say Conan the O'Brien. <laughs> <That was. laughs> Do not cut that out. I am a huge fan of Conan O'Brien.
1: Yeah, the remake was completely unbelievable. Conan the <laughs> O'Brien. It just I don't know what they were going for there, but yeah. You couldn't even lift the sword. <laughs> nope. I did not believe he had the power. Clash of the Titans. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird because like the original Clash of the Titans movie. It's painful to watch now because yeah. of the filmmaking technology and how bad it looked. But the remake couldn't use that as an excuse. The remake this sucked. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, Lone Ranger, Green Hornet, we could go on and on and on. But then there's also a bunch that actually did really well. Dawn of the Dead, hmm. that did that did well. Ocean's Eleven spawned a whole series. The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, both of those movies stand up. Yeah, Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, Mad Max. Fury Road, Planet of the Apes. Uh, actually, there's two There's two reboots. One <laughs> did horrible, and one did really well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's you got a lot of hit and miss. Like, the people that went and saw them were really probably seeing seeing them for nostalgia's sake. Although, the ones that did well seemed to be... Maybe the original wasn't as well remembered anymore. So, it was almost seen like Gone in 60 Seconds. People didn't remember the original. They thought this was a brand new movie, and it did really well hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if there's there's something to that, if there's more to to decipher or maybe it's just some of them were made well, some of them weren't.
1: Well, And also on some of those, especially with the remake things, it always begs the question. like, did you have to see the original version of something? Right. Like if you had never seen Ghostbusters, I don't think you would be confused because they have, quote unquote, flashbacks with video YouTube yeah, they explain stuff. everything pretty well. They explain everything well enough. Not that not that Ghostbusters is a complicated story. So yeah, I mean there are times where the remake doesn't really need to explain itself. And you don't really need any type of continuity with it. Yeah. But yeah, some of it is like are people again is it just a lack of originality or is it's like, well, let's just do our, another version or remake a version of that old thing because we know the story and then people can mm-hmm. see if they like it better
0: or not. Well, there's another one that I want to throw out there that seems to be very different in my mind, and it's Judge Dredd. So I believe it was in the 90s. There's a Sylvester Stallone-led Judge Dredd that became almost kind of a cult classic in its own way, and a lot of people were really excited because it was a comic book movie, which wasn't really a thing other than like Batman and Superman at the time. So it was popular, but it wasn't good.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: And then there's the remake fairly recently, just called Dread, which a lot of people that were comparing it to the original thought it was terrible. But it was more true to the comic books. So the comic book fans loved it. So it's kind of something that we've talked about in the past. Uh, You know, core audience or general audience versus fan audience. And which one was better? Which movie was better? And, you know, there's still a lot of people that say the original is the the go-to but then there's a lot of people that are comic book fans that really like the remake.
1: Yeah, I could see that, and that's where where they when they do a remake. And again, I think a lot more of the backlash for Ghostbusters was the the gender of a cast in that remake. People didn't like. But when anytime you make a new movie, like I mean, I like Carl Urban. I mean, I remember yeah. the Celesteo Sloane Judge Dread movie. Again, it wasn't a good movie, but it was entertaining enough to watch. Yeah, I didn't dislike the Carl Urban, Dread, and Woman from Game of Thrones, who I can't remember off the top of my head. I, it was a good enough movie. I enjoyed it. But it's also it's like, I don't need to ever see either of those movies again. <laughs> right. but which is also in that category of movie. There, there's some nostalgic franchises that are watched over and over again. And then there are others that are, there are some nostalgic franchises that are just a once and done, in which case it doesn't even really matter. Like, if you hadn't seen Judge Dread... You wouldn't be confused by dread, yeah. Like, like a lot of things, it's it's not really much of a not a very complicated story. Yeah, I do want to rewind
0: on something you just said. Real quick,
1: <laughs> that was a, that was a rewind sound. That was terrible.
0: Yeah, that was that was bad. <laughs> Leave that in there too.
1: <laughs> you have to be old enough to even know what a rewind sound even would sound like. What's rewinding?
0: So you, you just real briefly you had mentioned that. You know, a lot of the hatred for the female-led Ghostbusters because of the gender. Mm -hmm. And I really wonder how much of that's true. Okay. Because I almost feel like people just didn't like the movie, and then people blamed it on the gender, even though it was just a bad movie. And almost like the people that were trying to defend it were trying to say, oh, you only didn't like it because there were females. And there was an uproar at the beginning of like, what do you mean this is going to be, you're changing the gender of all of them? Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's why it was a disliked movie. I, and maybe I'm wrong. And I, I'm sure I'm positive there is at least some that didn't like it for that. But as a whole, I don't think that's why it didn't get good reviews. I think it's just a bad movie.
1: It was, but I agree. It probably was things that people... Somebody brought it up, and then someone got into an argument about it, and then it started to circle around that as mm-hmm. if that was the only thing that was wrong. It's like, I don't. you could put all men in that cast. That movie... It sucked. It was not a good story. Yeah. But it's also one of those things. It's like, I don't know if they will. We had also talked about this after we saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. They could make another movie where they could basically be in the same universe. And it's just different characters. The original cast. Yeah. They never have show up again. Never, I mean, they're old as fuck. So they probably <laughs> shouldn't show up again. But that's the other thing is, like, they could have done the female Ghostbusters movie not remade with, like, oh, it's the same four, quote-unquote, guys as now, quote-unquote, girls. Why couldn't they have just been, like, a Ghostbusters branch in another city? Right. And the old guy, the original Ghostbusters, called them on the phone once. <laughs> just it's something like that. Like, why did it have to be, like, remade? It still needed to be a better story. Right. But, like, again, they could, you could conceivably see the possibility that they could make a, another Ghostbusters movie that inherits the Ghostbusters Afterlife and the original Ghostbusters, and it's a sort of a continuation of that universe. Yeah. Maybe with even making a joke about how they ignore the existence of Ghostbusters too. maybe even a joke of having, like, female Ghostbusters. Because that's the thing that's weird. Again, I don't mean to make it a gender thing, but the primary character of Ghostbusters Afterlife is female, 12-year-old girl. Mm. She's awesome. It really worked. It did. So it didn't matter. Her gender had absolutely nothing to do with the movie being good or bad. It was just, it was better. Again, surprisingly, because it was both completely unoriginal and original at the same time. Yeah. And that made it work. Yeah. Again, with the judge dread and dread things, I mean, I I can't imagine anyone arguing who's the better actor. (laughs) Sylvester (laughs) Stallone is not a good actor. Carl Urban is only slightly... I oh, do you
0: mean by that.
1: Carl <laughs> Urban is only slightly better, but it's also an action movie. It's like if you're watching an action movie for the acting, then I don't know why you're watching the movie. <laughs> so it's a different category of movies. Same thing with Ghostbusters. It's a comedy. So, I mean, it's not... I don't know. It's not something... It, that's not what you're watching the, the movies
0: for. Yeah. Well, and you, you had mentioned kind of a little bit or alluded to... Why remake it if it's just going to be the same thing kind of thing? And so we've got a yeah. string of recent live ad- live action adaptations of animated. So Disney's been doing a lot of them with like Aladdin and Jungle Book and Lion King, Dumbo. But also we recently had Ghost, you know, Ghost in the Shell did something, Cowboy Bebop, which you just watched, which. It's fun to see the live-action versions, but if it's not done exactly the same as the original, then there's a big uproar. It's like, oh, you changed a bunch of things. But then if it's done exactly the same, like in the case of Lion King, they're like, well, why did you even bother? It's exactly the same movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you want nostalgia, does it have to be remade exactly the same? Yeah. And if, But if it's exactly the same, then what's the point?
0: Right, exactly. I
1: mean, like the Cowboy Bebop example... Yeah, it's a live action adaptation of an anime from over 20 years ago. It's a quirky anime, which is probably stupid to say because most anime is quirky. But a lot of the people who had negative reviews were comparing it directly with the anime and didn't like it. I didn't like it because of some of the acting was bad. Some of the casting choices were poor and some of the acting was bad. The storytelling framework was actually pretty good. It was it was more coherent and consistent than the anime was because it was only 10 episodes versus 26. But at the same time there were things where you're never going to if you just try to get a live action actor to just basically play the exact like personality of an anime character, which a lot of anime characters are kind of like over the top, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Right. And there are and it told its own story. obviously it borrowed a lot. I mean, if you saw the anime, two of the, not spoilers, but like two of the the little, there's a couple of things that happen that you would not be surprised by if you saw the anime because you know what happens. Whereas if you didn't know the story, you might be more impressed by the unexpected turns that happened in a couple (laughs) of the episodes. But if you've seen the anime, you know that those are coming. But they also did some of the things that were different. Mm -hmm. But overall, I would say it was, It was largely, as one, I think one critic said, it's like, if you ignore trying to compare the anime to the live action, you just watch it. It's just a mediocre show. Like, forget about how did it do well? What did it do differently? Just watch it straight up. Which you could. You don't have to watch the anime in order to understand Cowboy Bebop. It's not very good. And then whether or not you should bother arguing over, over, was it supposed to be exactly the same as the anime? I don't know. Like I said... The casting choices, for me, didn't really work. So maybe some different actors could have done a better job. Plus, it was also that weird thing, again, of the quirkiness. I think there were people who had never watched the anime, might be confused. It's like, why is the sense of humor weird? Like, why are the characters acting weird sometimes? It's because they were actually trying to mimic the quirkiness of, of and, anime. Well, and in live action, it just didn't work.
0: That could be interesting. I, I haven't watched a lot of anime, but... Doesn't really translate well to live action in the mannerisms.
1: Yeah. The mannerisms, and I mean, in the case of Cowboy Bebop, the anime has a hyper-sexualized character, which in the Me Too movement is not going to go over, because it's a woman, so that's not going to go over really well. So, and then there's a couple of what we would now call transgender characters. The anime's from the late 90s, so that really wasn't a term. Transgender people existed back then, but we didn't really use the term transgender in the 90s. So there are some people who are both pleased and displeased with the transgender representation in Cowboy Bebop, which again is one of those weird things is you're applying contemporary politics to something from over 20 years ago where that was something that was not... Not as well known. Not as well known, and it's also weird, like, the anime in part gets credit for having non-heteronormative characters in it from something that was over 20 years ago. But now if it's not done right, it's like it's like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. So it but again that's the thing is like should that have even have been included? Doesn't and plus also the other thing that's weird arguing over what race some of the characters would be. Oh yeah. they made that person white they made that person black. It was anime it wasn't really a there were a few characters that were specifically one race. But it's like yeah. eh, how close does it have to be?
0: Yeah. Well, and there's there's another way of looking at some of that too. Now I'm I'm gonna preface this by saying I haven't seen any of these movies. Okay. But I remember seeing a lot of the criticisms. Okay. So like for instance, when they remade Dumbo, the live action version of Dumbo, there was a <sighs> lot of criticism about it's the different story. Why didn't they tell the same story? And then when Lion King came out. There's was bigger, like, it's exactly the same. But then there was, you just made it creepy. Because in the animation, the mouths moved. And actually looked like they were forming words. In this one, it looks real, like, I, I heard some people saying, like, they were having nightmares almost. of <laughs> Like, the words coming out of the animals' mouths. But the animals' mouths weren't moving the right way for those words to come out. Uh-huh. And, and stuff like that. So there's, you know... Just because you can doesn't mean you should.
1: Yeah, those were, I mean, I haven't seen those either. And there was like, why did they make those? Like, I could see remaking things like He-Man or Cowboy Bebop. That makes more sense to me. It's like, those Mm -hmm. other ones, it's like, what was even the point of those? Right. Although, I guess in those instances, it would be more family-oriented type stuff, I guess. But yeah, some of those things, it's like, yeah, I don't understand why that was even attempted
0: there's also a big string for a while of trying to reboot old horror series like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Child's Play. They tried to reboot them and it didn't work, but then they made more sequels to the originals and it worked. And it's almost confusing to me of, is it because they tried to remake it with a, in a different way? Are they only succeeding because of nostalgia? Which then also made me start thinking about other continued series. Like you got your Rambo, your Rocky, your James Bond, Terminator, Godzilla, and even Star Wars. Would those still be making money if it wasn't for the long-standing history that those movies have? So if, say it didn't exist, say they just started trying to make a new version of James Bond right now, would it be successful? Now you could argue they have already with, with some. I mean, you got like the Bourne series. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of similar. Jack Ryan, I believe. Is that right? I yep. haven't seen it, but that's that's fairly popular. Somewhat similar, but they're not the same. James Bond has a very specific way they do those movies that I don't think would work if not for the history.
1: True. And, and they're just basically making money off of a franchise. Right. Of people just making. Because again, it could just be john smith as a spy guy i mean again but because it's james bond it conjures up a specific which is why people argue about should a non-british actor ever be allowed to play james bond it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be in her majesty's secret service but there's not really much to james bond it's pretty much a generic spy movie ish thing with a couple of like nostalgic easter eggs or just repeat things about like the martinis and cars and the gadgets and stuff like that it's like which was spoofed a little bit with Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. But it's just sort of making money off of the back of the franchise. I guess it's technically nostalgic. I mean, some yeah. of those, James... I mean, I oh, last year during the pandemic, I binge-watched like a whole bunch of Bond movies. Oh, my God, are most of those horrible. Like going back to the earlier days of Bond. Yeah, that's why I don't watch them. That's... I mean, they definitely don't stand up by today's standards on, on anything, like cultural standards movie making technology, storytelling, acting, acting, they're just, they're really terrible. Right. So the more recent James Bond movies might be better in some of those categories, but generally speaking, it's still not a very good movie or a very good thing. It's just, we're making, we're making more of them because they make money. Same thing with like Mission Impossible. They just keep cranking those things out because they know it makes money.
0: So on the James Bond thing, they've actually, I mean, the movies, from what I understand, have gotten better. You know, better acting, better stories, stuff like that. You know, they've gotten better. So people keep seeing them because A, the history, but B, they're improving. But then you got the other side of things. And I'm going to throw Terminator under the bus here. A new Terminator movie comes out. Everybody collectively, that's going to suck. Well, are you going to go see it? Well, yeah, it's Terminator. Come Mm -hmm. on. I mean, the originals were so good. I have to go see it. You know, maybe this one won't be the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. And then it is, and we still go see it. Same way you think about Star Wars recently. You don't want to go see it. You're going to go see it, though. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, how much of that is nostalgia driven? How much of that is just morbid curiosity?
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. And I guess that comes down to continuations are in a different category of nostalgia because like mm-hmm. the, the remakes or the reboots or reimaginings, like in, in a category of like reimagining, Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. popped into my head. The original television series was not very good. It only had a couple of seasons. It was in the uh, mid to late 70s, briefly came back for a season with a jump ahead in a timeline with Galactica 80. Not great, but it was beloved science fiction because back then science fiction wasn't very good either. Mm -hmm. So they made the reimagining of it, you know, more than 20 years later. and It had a lot of the same story elements, but it did things very differently, Mm -hmm. like changing the genders of, of some of the characters and making the show more violent and more sexual and more religious and more a little bit at the time that it was making a little bit of social commentary on the post 9-11 world and terrorism and how do you fight against terrorism and stuff like that, that by and large was a substantially better show, but it's almost impossible or unfair to compare it to the original series because of how different it is. But it, it was driven by nostalgia in the sense that it was still a lot of the same stories. In terms of characters and and props and stuff like that, a reimagining of maybe this is what the show would have been like if it was made now versus back then. And then again, if they just tried to literally re- remake the nineteen seventy the nineteen seventies one was campy. Even in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. it was kind of campy. So if you just remade like a campy sci fi type thing at the time that they remade Battlestar Galactica, people would be like. Well, this doesn't make any sense. It's too campy. So they yeah. like they advanced it but and kept a lot of it the same but also reimagined a lot of it to sort of make it more adaptable to modern audiences and something that would be more mm-hmm. likely to get people to watch it. Plus they could do things with partial nudity and stuff that you couldn't do on TV in the 70s and stuff like that, but yeah. Was it the same? No. Was it better? Yes. Was there some nostalgia and the fact that they even had like a few actors who acted in the original, appeared playing different de- characters, mm-hmm. but appeared in the uh the reimagining. That probably was good, geeky for people like me who actually had seen the original show. People yeah. like you probably who may have never have even seen the original wouldn't have known the difference or cared maybe about it. Zero. Zero. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to which actually so I guess peek behind the curtain, we were actually planned on as I finally watched Battlestar Galactica and we'd planned on doing an episode and I forgot what happened so so terribly that I didn't even remember whether or not I finished it. Yeah. Anyways, you took a note there. What do you got? about Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. Gotcha.
1: Just that it was a it was a, a reimagining of a, yeah. like a, reba- a a remake where they took an idea. And they, similar to like, again, with, even with Mission Impossible, a lot of people yeah. don't remember it was a television show in the 60s, maybe early 70s. Right. And it got turned into similar concepts, but made into a movie franchise.
0: Well, on that same note, <coughs> I, I think it'd be interesting, uh, we can kind of start wrapping things up here, but there's also the the idea of if you take certain characters or certain ideas and make something new, is it necessarily nostalgia driven? Or is it just wanting to tell a different story with the similar, similar characters? So, I mean, it's easy to throw out superheroes like your Batmans, your Supermans, your Spider-Mans, where they continuously reboot, tell different stories with them. I don't know if it's necessarily nostalgia other than like comic book fans wanting to see it. I think it's just, hey, we've got completely different stories to tell using those characters. And I want to throw Dracula out there in particular. I mean... Can you even begin to count how many movies, TV shows, etc. all draw from Dracula? There, there, there's no continuity there. You're, you're not going to see it and you're like, oh, I liked that one Dracula movie a long time ago. I want to see this one to see what it's like. No, it's because, oh, cool, it's a Dracula movie. Um, Dracula Untold. Did you ever see that one? I don't think so. I actually really liked that movie. I thought it was really one, well done. It was a completely different story with some elements based from the original book. And I thought it was a very interesting take on the character. Not necessarily a great movie, but just an interesting take on that character. So I I guess where I'm going with that is, you know, do those count as a reboot or remake because of nostalgia? Or is it just moving forward in time?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, part of it is giving the audience something to latch on to that is familiar that they can relate to so you don't have to maybe over explain everything or mm-hmm. worry about whether or not there's an audience but giving them something else in that same universe to think about as we've often lamented that star wars should just get away from the trilogy timeline either going way in the past or way in the future so it's technically still star wars and star wars things would happen mm-hmm. but tell completely different stories with characters that don't have to connect. Or if they do, it's distant connection or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those weird things. It's like you get too far away from the established characters or the other things that are nostalgia-driven. Will people still watch it? You're not a Star Trek fan. Right. But... Very correct. Very correct. Since we recorded our Star Trek episode... Uh, in that Star Trek episode, I had mentioned that I had not seen the new Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. The Picard and Discovery and Lower Decks were the three new, new well, new because they're still making new of them. Lower Decks is an animated series, which is a comedy series, which was, which was new for Star Trek, which is freaking hilarious. Probably, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, you may or may not find it funny because it is funny in and of itself, but It uses nostalgia as a basis of they make fun of something. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you know, the Star Trek storyline or Star Trek character that they're poking fun at, Mm -hmm. which makes it even funnier for like a Star Trek fan. So they are playing off of general nostalgia completely in the same universe but a completely different set of characters but they just occasionally make reference to the rest of the universe and poke again in the case of Lower Decks they're poking fun because it's a comedy but it establishes like they don't have to re-explain like warp drive or transporters or phasers or photon torpedoes because it's Star Trek but they can just tell a continuing and different story the other two series are, are examples of two other of the other characters one is Picard which is a continuation of an existing character. It's almost like the Star Trek equivalent of Ghostbusters Afterlife, only in the sense that it's some of the original characters who are now super old are in it. So it's centered around Jean-Luc Picard, whose character is, as he is in real life, very old. And it is a heavy, nostalgic-driven series based on fans of Star Trek The Next Generation, which was the series that Jean-Luc Picard... Originated in. It also continues the storylines from some of the next generation movies while also incorporating characters and storylines from other Star Trek spin-off series of The Next Generation from Voyager and from Deep Space Nine. And it is huge nostalgia fan service driven. And I enjoyed it up until the end of the first season when the story's conclusion, from my opinion, was just fucking stupid. And I have no intention of watching the second season because it's going off on another stupid Star Trek trope involving time travel, which is something that Star Trek falls back on too much. But it's completely, are you a fan of Jean-Luc Picard? Then you'll watch it, and it's as loaded with references to what came before because it's the same actor playing the same character from what came before. Mm-hmm. Then you have Discovery, which at first I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Discovery starts out set before James T. Kirk, which is before Jean-Luc Picard. So it starts out in the past, even before Star Trek, the original series. So going back to a point in time that we actually haven't seen much of, uh, never seen anything of in TVs or movies. And then it comes right up to the James T. Kirk era. And we even get some characters like Spock who show up. So it's like, oh, it's nostalgic. And for the original series, mild spoiler if you haven't seen Discovery, it then jumps into the future. Back to the future? Not back to the future. It jumps ahead of the Star Trek timeline of everything. So at first, it's it's early seasons play off of nostalgia because it's just before James T. Kirk. So it's kind of like the Star Wars thing. I said, can you go outside the timeline of the trilogies? They go pre-Kirk, which is pre the original series. Then they jump post everything else. A thousand years or so in the future, so that all of the Star Trek characters and timeline that we know are all dead. So it's actually done this weird thing. That sounds great. It's nostalgia driven, but it also does the best of all worlds. You're familiar with the universe because it's Star Trek. It's just before the Star Trek you know, and then it jumps ahead beyond the Star Trek that you do know. It's not great. It's kind of messy. Mm -hmm. But it's an enjoyable mix of nostalgic elements that kind of combines everything we just talked about. That is not a remake. It's a prequel and a sequel combined in the same series. Hmm. So it's an aquel. It's an aquel. It's an awkward awkward, (laughs) but obviously it's drawing heavily on nostalgia and and it has the same problems that a lot of times we talk about in Star Wars and other things. It's like when it's in the pre Kirk times, like there are things it can't do because there are things it can't violate. like there's canon; You can't kill Spock, for example, because we know he doesn't die because he's in the future. But then they jump ahead of the timeline to a part where we have no idea what happens. So now they're at a point where they can do whatever they want.
0: As long as they don't reference something from the past that didn't happen. Or that would change
1: what right. happened. Yeah, if they reference yeah, as long as they don't reference something change the context or something like that of something that happened. So now they're in a storytelling
0: space where they can do whatever they want, whereas they started out in a space that was very boxed in. As long as they don't say like, hey, remember that time where Kirk had the Enterprise destroyed by a giant space squid? <laughs> Yes, they
1: can't cross the Star Trek and Star Wars uh, universes together. But they also have that thing, though. So they started off with the... They had to be very careful because they couldn't do certain things. And now they've jumped ahead to be able... So they were originally boxed in. And now they have something that's somewhat open-ended where they can do almost whatever they want. Because they've jumped beyond the timeline. So it's kind of like... So they're thinking outside of the box. Kind of. I mean, again, it's still... It's also interesting, too, because it has... One of the other things you were talking about is how sometimes nostalgia can be used to make a better version of a movie. Like, an easy Star uh, Wars-related example would be the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One was fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a much better scene than the scene that we got of Darth Vader in A New Hope. But they couldn't make that kick-ass scene in 1977, but they could when they did Rogue One. In Discovery, the technology... You have to kind of let it go. It's set before the original series, which was set in the 1960s, which had really crappy technology, but it has technology that's more like modern day technology, which is obviously better than the technology of The Next Generation, which was set back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. But you just have to kind of let that go. I mean, the ships look, the technology, the way that they have gesture-driven screens and virtual reality environments and stuff like that. Everything just looks the way that the future should have looked back in the 1960s series, mm-hmm. but they couldn't have done that because the technology
0: wasn't there yet. No, so you can to... say that about the computers in Star Wars, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You you if you just let that go, that that part doesn't quite make sense. So sometimes they have to make the technology dumber so that it's not non-canonical mm-hmm. and so that it doesn't break the nostalgia thing. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, you should still make the computer screens look better and some of the other technology work better because we have technology now that is beyond what was being shown in in Star Trek. So it's an interesting vehicle that combines, I think, all of the elements, Discovery at least, Mm -hmm. that series combines a lot of the elements that we were talking about in terms of it's nostalgia driven, but also opens up the availability for continuing stories with different characters
0: so you said star trek and my mind just started wandering yes and of course i ended up starting to think about a completely different series teenage mutant ninja turtles i don't think i've ever heard of them <laughs> <laughs> so i think they are the the animated teenage mutant ninja turtles i think is kind of unique in the fact that over the past oh what almost 40 years there hasn't really been a gap they have a series going until it just kind of runs out of stories that it wants to tell in that, and then they just start over. And, you know, different animation style, different stories, different ways the characters interact. I mean, there's still kind of a core, so it's the same but very different. And every time they do that, there's a little bit of, well, those aren't my turtles, but it's better.
1: Did they make a, a Donna Tello? That's a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> so, you know, you say that, but I'm I'm sure you probably don't even realize. Did you know after the first movies, like live action movies that came out, mm-hmm. there was actually a live action series? There was that had a fifth turtle that was a female? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do yourself a favor and do not watch it.
1: <laughs> now, did you like I mean you were I, I... Saw both. I mean, I don't know if I've seen them all, but... The live-action adaptation of
0: the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, did you like those? Which ones? The originals or the newer? Both. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, I was huge in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. That first live-action movie, I watched that so much that even, like, the opening commercial, I was... Singing word, it was a Pizza Hut commercial, and I sang word for word to where to this day, like I haven't watched that movie in probably eight ten years. Guarantee you, if I put it in right now, word for word through the entire movie, I would recite it. <laughs> Drives people nuts. That's mm-hmm. why it's probably been since I watched it. So yeah, I, I love that the re the newer versions. I like them because they can do so much more with the newer technology story I don't really like as much, but it's cool to watch. You know, kind of like the Transformers movies, which we should have mentioned a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) They're cool to watch, but they're not good. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the cartoons that we all loved in in the 80s, 70s even, I don't remember. 70s, 80s, yeah. There's no way in hell they would have made more than one of those movies, but they keep going. But yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the animated, like I said, it's no, I recently went back. Like I bought the box set of the original cartoons from when I was a kid, and uh, tried to show them to some kids. They don't hold up. <laughs> they were kind of some of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> as an adult. But then I'm, you know, watching the newer series. I'm like, they they keep updating it for the times. So like, they run out of story, they start over with a different version that's a little more up to date. And they just keep going with it. And I think it works. It works really well. I mean, it kind of goes along with a continued series. But, like, you, you talk about a lot of the other continued series. Like, you know, your Rocky, your Rambo, Godzilla even. Like, they don't change that much. It's kind of the same thing. Although it did change the gender of Godzilla. Yeah, because there was son of Godzilla. Where they said that Godzilla was a female. But then that's been largely ignored in every other anything since then. Yeah, that did upset me. (laughs) I'm going to let you talk about what you just wrote down while I cry.
1: Okay. I was just thinking for some reason it popped through my head the idea of what I had talked about before about whether you go directly at something with nostalgia to use it as the blueprint for like a remake or something like that versus just loading up Easter eggs and something. Mm -hmm. And Ready Player One popped into my head that there's a ton of Easter eggs to other... Everything. Everything yeah, in Ready Player One that also, I mean, they go by really fast too. So if you miss them, it's no big deal. But there have been a lot of people who were geeked out about that. That's not the only example, but there have been lots of movies, similar movies to that was like, oh, did you catch all of these Easter eggs to all of Mm -hmm. these other movies, video games, TV shows
0: and stuff like that? Well, in that one particular, there was so many people were so fascinated and excited by it. Now, there's a whole group of people that watched it in slow motion just to pick out all of the Easter eggs that were in it. Was it a good movie? Who's to say? But it was awesome just for that.
1: Yeah. It popped into my head as an example of not because it was remaking any of those movies or anything. It just had loaded up the Easter eggs of a bunch of stuff. Like you said, it, that all of that nostalgia, especially like you said the people who watched the movie in slow motion, probably was one of the more enjoyable parts of the movie for people.
0: Yeah. So, uh, hey, hey, Jim, you, you, you remember that, that time where we ran out of things to say, so we ended the episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that time. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating, write a review, Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com.
1: You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where
0: you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.